0: Welcome to This Week of Missouri Politics from the state capitol in Jeff City. Pre-filing, that means session's about to start and we are joined by a person who's going to to be the most impactful person on this session, the new Senate Majority Leader, uh, Senator Cindy Oloffel from the great Northeast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's start off. You're a businesswoman. You've dealt with, you deal with truckers all day. You, you know how to shuck corn. Why did folks think that you had the right approach to lead the Missouri Senate?
1: You know, I think people um, felt Let's try something different. And I think I was different. Um, I'm a business person, not really a politician in the, in the true sense. Um, you
0: watch the show, know you're candid. <laughs> yes. When you say something, I believe you actually think that.
1: Yes. Is I'm, that
0: the pitch? Give me the pitch if you, if you could. i never want to ask for something that would be confidential between your colleagues. But what was the general pitch of why you should be the right person and the pitch that was successful?
1: I think people saw me last session trying to bring people together. Some of that worked, some of it didn't. I told people that we need to have a little more structure than we had had. I mean, maybe people had a little bit too much leeway. Uh, when When we're supposed to start, we need to start. We need to decide where we want to go. We need to decide how we'll get there. And then we need to follow along and try to get that done. So I feel like my job is to help the caucus get their priorities done and then as individuals, try to determine what it is that's important to them and get enough time that they can address those too. Where there are sticking points, I think it's my job to try to help bring people together because there's commonality among everyone if you look for it. But if you kind of let things start to disintegrate and you don't kind of immediately get there, sometimes it can kind of go off the rail. So working with everyone, respecting what they want to do, looking for common ground, having structure, I think it'll make a difference.
0: Last year, when the when session, maybe the last two years, when things really started to move forward, it's when a group of women, frankly, a, a bipartisan group of women senators kind of got together and said, okay, boys, grow up, knock it off. Do you think that played a role? And maybe, you know, when a, when a woman is in leadership, there's a little bit of a different dynamic there. Do you think maybe that played a role?
1: I think women um, are used to doing whatever they have to do to get it done. No. I think men, a lot of times, are um, they want to win. Yeah. And it's kind of two different dynamics. And I appreciate both dynamics. I think you have to have both. I think they're both valuable. But I do think women approach things a little bit differently. And we have a good group of women, both sides of the aisle.
0: So four years ago, really, the, the personal drama began from a leadership race the folks that won and didn't win, kind of separated into into factions. Mike Bernsketter is not a person I've ever heard you really say a bad word about. It doesn't feel like there's that same tension and animosity between the two of you.
1: I love Mike Bernsketter. I think he's funny. I think he's honest. I think he's um, a great guy. And we talked several times through the race, and we joked with each other. And I said, Mike, if you win, I'll do everything I can to help you. And he said the same. So, you know, we're friends.
0: Nobody gets more comedy out of fewer words than Mike Bernsketter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about issues. I've always associated you with with education and schools. What is the issue that you're going to bring as now you have as much ability to maneuver the legislative agenda as anybody in the state? Do you gonna bring education? Is it something you focus on the other priorities in the caucus? What is on your list of things to get done?
1: Well, we, we did meet in the caucus, and we did talk about the things we wanted to address, and so I don't think... It's not really my job to uh, push what I feel is important to the front, it's my job to push what the caucus wants to get done. They would like to address men in sports, um, they'd like to address CRT, and we have a good bill that uh, we were pretty close to the finish line last year, that we worked both sides of the aisle and the governor's office. and. Um, I think we'll get that done. People are concerned about the initiative petition process. They feel that uh, the legislature is the duly elected representatives of the people. If we don't do what they want done, then they should vote someone else in. And the initiative petition process is maybe a little bit too easy. And uh, it's being used now to circumvent the legislature. Totally. So those are the top two priorities. And then of course, there's a whole list. So.
0: When you when you un, unpack some of those things, how do you maneuver a caucus that is so large? Twenty four senators is an enormous caucus. When you have these differences, you say you're going to work them out. Well, well, how do you how do you what do you get people in a room and just say we're not leaving? How do you finish those things?
1: Well, so, something that I would like to see done is I've, I felt like at times senators didn't work their legislation, so they would have something that they know there's a lot of people interested in, and we all know what those issues are. And I feel that you should get around to the senators, senator to senator, and talk with them and find out if they have concerns, where are your areas of common ground, try to identify those. Don't come to the floor with a piece of legislation that's one of the hot topics of the session and no one really has had much opportunity to work with you on it. And then throw it out on the floor and then we're all tied up for 10 hours and usually leave with nothing. So I feel like it's my job and that of Drew to work with the other senators. And I I know what's important to almost everyone in there, both sides, and start figuring it out now. It's a lot of work, but it's no more work than we had last session and got tied up endlessly and a lot of times got nothing done.
0: I ask you about the the transgender sports issue. It's my belief. Uh, work in Republican politics, observing it. Republicans have used homophobia in the past for, to their political advantage. I think this is an issue where an honest person could say, "I truly don't believe a transgender student that's a that's a biological male should be in women's sports." I think it's something you can honestly look anybody in the eye and say, "This is not homophobia. This is something that doesn't isn't fair." And until something changes or innovation comes, this, and I think I I go to a lot of Republican events to watch you guys. I think that's something your constituents very much want.
1: They do. I mean, it, it comes up a lot because, you know, what's more important to parents and their children and their academics and the sports that they're involved in and the time and effort and money they spend trying to help them get better at it and then have them go to something that turns out to be patently unfair. Now, I think that you have to have an empathy for someone who is who feels like they're a different gender than they were born with. It isn't saying yeah. that you don't understand that, but I think you have to look at the fairness of the situation. And I think actually that it's being done on the national level; they're starting to come up with different kinds of requirements. So we'll we'll be taking it's a look really at that.
0: Someone like you, that everybody's going to be asking for your thoughts on things, portray some empathy as you deal with that issue. That was a key word.
1: Every person is valuable. Mm-hmm. And whether you agree with them or not, or you've experienced what they have, I mean, you're going to run into all kinds of people. And I think the way that you win people over and kind of bring people together is to understand what they're facing and try to work with them as best you can. So you don't look at someone and say, well, you know, you're different than I am, so you know, you, you have no credibility or value. That's not true. Every human being is valuable, every every one of them.
0: You're activists that are making their voice very known on social media, very active folks. You were an activist yourself before you were ever in elected office. I remember you had a, a rally when Obama was coming to Missouri, you had your own rally, and I yeah. think you had more folks than you could uh, fit in the barn. Uh, what'd you learn from being an activist that now you're in elected office and you can maybe in some ways understand where those folks are coming from maybe better than other folks.
1: Well, I'm from the working middle class and I'm from the average individual on the street. And I do think that the Republicans have in some measure kind of overlooked that group of people. And I'm very much in contact with average everyday people. And I understand what concerns them and I'm willing to go to them and listen to them So from an activist stance, um, you see things happening in the world and you think I don't agree with this. I want to do what I can to change it for the better. When you become a legislator, it's um, a little more complicated. You can still hold the same beliefs and you can try to move the ball in your direction. But if you're at A and you feel like we should be at Z, you're going to be lucky to get to C. And I think that's what people need to understand. You're not going to turn the whole world around overnight because that also affects people's lives. So you have to be able to compromise and move incrementally. An activist wants to go to Z.
0: So you're known as somebody that is a business person. You do like structure, I think people know. When you look back on that, uh, one way to have structure in the Senate is the PQ, where you essentially adopt the house rules. You'll be the person I'm that'll have to sign off on that. I don't think anything will happen like that without your approval. What's your view on that?
1: I think that you only use it in very, very limited and rare cases, and you do everything you can to avoid doing it, but you don't take it off the table.
0: Is there is there a role the minority has in avoiding that as well?
1: Absolutely. And you know, um, I were I work well, I think, with the minority party. I mean if the only people that you listen to or work with are ones who think just like you, you're missing a lot of other people. And it's important that you take their perspective into consideration. And um, they're the first people I go to with something that I know is going to be, they're going to be kind of look at it one way and we're going to look at it another. And I go to them and say, how do we work this out?
0: would you say be a goal of yours to, in your time in leadership? without having one of these PQs? I mean, you've seen the one that you were involved with went terrible, Uh, it was just a disaster. Would you say it'd be something you'd be proud of if you ended your career without having to do a PQ in the Senate?
1: Sure, sure. I mean, we have so much polarization and I think people are tired of that. They're tired of just yelling across the aisle back and forth. They want people who are willing to sit down and try to work things out. And so to me, if you're able to do that, great.
0: Senator Laughlin, as session unfolds, I hope you'll come back and join us here in the Rotunda on This Week in Missouri Politics. Thank you very much. We'll be right back with our opinion maker panel, Brandon Rather, the golden voice of Mid-Missouri, joins us. But first, go to shownmissouri.com. This is Missouri, one county at a time. I sit down with Dave Schatz, the former Senate president, talked about his career from the House to the Senate Senate leadership and all kinds of things that Senator Laughlin lived through. shownmissouri.com, this is Missouri, one county at a time. We'll be right back after this. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more.
2: All rise for Judge Mike Carter, Sundays on ABC 30, host of the Cowboy and Judge Show. Tune in for community advocate Judge Mike Carter and his celebrity guests as they discuss today's hot topics and big issues here at home in Missouri. Hear about the power of good from community leaders, business owners, students, charities, and tons of familiar faces. Court is in session with Judge Mike Carter on the Cowboy and Judge Show. Available at MikeCarter.com or Sundays on ABC 30. The Cowboy Judge Show, giddy up.
3: data captured by our state-of-the-art monitors helps us pinpoint the timing and location of severe weather
0: more accurately and respond to trouble more quickly. Ameren Missouri's investment in smart technologies like this is one way we're improving reliability and restoring power faster than ever. Responding to trouble before trouble hits, that's energy at work, Ameren Missouri. Welcome back this week of Missouri politics from the state capitol here in Jeff City, Missouri. We are joined by Jess Piper, fresh off her election. There is nobody that gets under the skin of Missouri Republicans like you do.
4: <laughs> That's true. And fresh off the loss of my election. Well, it happens. <laughs> it does.
0: John Ascroft, Mark Richardson, go down the list. Yeah. They've all lost one. Brandon Rather the golden voice of central Missouri. Thank you so much for joining us, sir good to be back and excited
2: to be hanging out with jess piper and and our good friend over here and you and your mom behind the scenes
0: of course mom is here but i mean we got to say the, the number one brian hawksworth you know brian houseworth
2: uh news director for this Immer radio network he is a big uh he talks about jess piper a lot in a yeah. good way yeah, by the absolutely. way the dirt road democrat
0: and rudy Veet, uh the representative from blair oaks How about we're taping this on Friday before the big Blair Oak State tournament game. Give me a prediction that's going to air Sunday. What's the score going to be? Probably 36 to 6. Is it because of the wind? You keep that score down? Yeah. You think Dylan Hare only finds the end zone four or five times? That'd be low (laughs) for him, but... Let's start off talking about, speaking of of, uh, wins, Andrew Bailey, the Governor General Counsel, right here behind us, was picked as the next Attorney General. The press conference was very impressive.
3: Well, it was impressive, and you have to really hand it to the guy. A guy who has, what, four children making that commitment to take on the Attorney General, knowing there's going to be a statewide race in two years, most likely. People are ready, talking about running against him. And... in dealing with here here at the Capitol, he never had a hidden agenda. He was out just trying to get the right thing done and follow the law. And, and so, I was impressed when the governor chose him, and and uh, impressed that he would make that commitment. That's a real challenge. People don't realize what some of these guys give up in their their personal lives. And he and he is a very family-oriented man, so it had to be a serious decision.
0: You know, Braden, rather there was a simple hillbilly on your radio show months and months ago that said, "I reckon this is how this ends up." I can't remember who that was. Uh, but what'd you think? I mean, your you're guy in the media, the press conference, I don't know what more he could have done.
2: Uh, no, and he did. He nailed it. I really do uh, believe he did. One of the questions or one of the attacks was, well, he never held an elected office, anything like that. And I think his response was something to the extent of, I'm battle-tested. It was simple. It was succinct. It was to the point. And he didn't engage, you know, he didn't try to engage anybody with a smart-aleck comment. And I thought, you know, that's impressive in everything that I know about Andrew Bailey that holds true to his character. He just said simply, I'm battle-tested. I got this. Well,
0: here's the thing. that You've, you've interviewed a lot of people. The guys that do a lot of the talking, frank, frankly, are a lot usually the guys that are back at the chow line hearing the stories from the other guys. The guys that don't talk a lot about it are the guys, Stephen Weber, that were literally in people dying situations. I've seen the stories. I, uh, Andrew Bailey, when he says he's battle-tested... He's like battle-tested, like live round shooting people, dying tested.
2: Yeah, and the other thing I think about when we talk about that for that battle-tested, he's been in it. He, he knows World what war he's hero. doing. Yeah, uh, he's a war hero. And the other thing, I already give him points simply for, I have a lot of respect for Governor Mike Parson yep. and the way he goes about his business. For the most part, he stays outside of the noise. He doesn't get engaged. Great example, Corey Bush this week. But already, if you're a part of Governor Mike Parson's staff, I do already give you some points for that.
0: Jess Piper, the Mike Parson Employment Agency. Mike Kehoe, reelected in a landslide. Scott Fitzpatrick, reelected in a the landslide, then elected auditor. Eric Schmidt, reelected in a landslide, won a U.S. Senate race in a landslide. Mike Parson does have a way of picking them. He does.
4: Um, I will be looking forward to an attorney general that wants to work for the state and isn't using the office to to go somewhere else um, because we've seen that, you know, in the last two ju- uh, attorney generals. So um, I don't know much about him, but I I love to hear that he's a great guy and that he's going to work for Missourians. You've
0: made the phrase dirt road Democrat popular. I have. He's <laughs> literally a dirt road Republican. I okay, mean, fantastic. Warren Montgomery County, I mean, he literally knows how to drive on a dirt road. Yeah. I mean, learned, one of the city folks, they try to drive in the middle and they run their their left tire through that gravel in the middle. <laughs> Andrew Bailey knows to straddle that gravel, good, right?
4: Good. And how not to fall off the side because there's no shoulder <laughs> or a combine coming towards well, you?
0: Unless you're on a date in West Butler County, <laughs> then maybe that's an accidental thing and you just it can't could. get into four wheel drive. I mean, Brandon Rather, you had, there's already an opponent popped up, Will Scharf, yeah. uh, former U.S. Attorney, uh, did your show. How do you do? Yeah, he he did
2: find. Will Sheriff and I had lunch back in February at the statewide Lincoln Days in St. Charles. Incidentally, he remembered the exact restaurant we ate at, which was kind of the present. Yeah, and even then, before there were any aspirations potentially of an office, he's a sharp dude, quiet, kind of sticks to his business. But one of the things that struck me, the Eric Greitens thing came up. Is that going to be baggage for you? And here's what I appreciated his answer. Here's what he said. He said, you know, it was the policy. It was the policy, Greitens' policies. So I felt like maybe he did distance himself just enough from Greitens, but saying, listen, what people did like was the policy of Greitens. And I, again, I thought that was, from where I see it, I thought that was a tactful answer.
0: Rudy V, you're an attorney. Uh, obviously, there's some lines of attack there. It is, but
3: I will admit that Sharp did a very good job in the, you know, he defused that issue about Brighton and he said, it's a policy that I'm representing somebody, I'm with somebody, I'm on the team or I'm not. You also made the comment about Governor Parson. Governor Parson vets his people very well. Okay. And that is a high rate of, of, you know, and Bailey did not get into, uh, you know, they, they tried, to you get know, what do you think about Eric Brighton's this case and that case? And he just stayed away from them and said, I will address them. I will give it my own look. So he's
0: coming across already as his own man. What do you think? I mean, obviously, Andrew Bailey is um, somewhat unknown statewide. Will Sharp, probably even less known. Um, if you have to pick one you want to run against right now and you want to, and you want to fire that Twitter up against, <laughs> I would think maybe Will might have a little bit, a little bit, few more plays to shoot at, right?
4: Yeah, it seems like Bailey is, uh, like you said, kind of middle of the road, isn't really into a whole lot of, you know, back and forth, and sounds like an upstanding guy so far.
0: It's going to be an issue. One of them is a Missourian, uh, as as Will articulates, says, "I chose to be a Missourian." Is that going to sell? Can that sell? In, can that sell in Wardsville?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're we're used to people moving in and out,
0: and people, you know. Well, that's so.
4: Well, I'm a native Arkansan, so. Total sell. So. <laughs> that I'm all for it. I think it.
0: the way he articulates that and has for yeah. a long time is, "I chose to live here," and there is right. a passion he
4: has
0: for. There, yeah. So, uh, sessions start. pre filing started this week. Mm-hmm. Um, You're very interested in schools, but you're not as interested as the Republican legislators in the House. They are very interested in schools.
4: In what what way? How are they interested? I don't
0: think they're fans.
4: Oh, of schools? Pretty much. (laughs) It feels like that all the time, Um, and this has been the struggle for a very long time. I'm very interested in schools. I'm very interested in public schools and funding them, and we know where we're at right now in Missouri, 49th in educational funding, 50th in teacher pay. Uh, You don't get to the bottom without trying, and so... um, I feel like they're still gonna keep trying. Rudy,
0: your rule folks are uh, pretty much fans of their schools. Your friends in in St. Louis, my God.
3: I am a product of public school education. I strongly believe in supporting public schools. I think it's a backbone of of our society and and an obligation we have that everybody have an equal opportunity to get educated. And we need to make saving the public schools a priority. If you wanna send your student to a different school, that's your choice.
0: Your dirt road Republicans, seem to sound a lot like you, but your cul-de-sac Republicans, boy, they do not like Blair Oaks.
3: Well, maybe go to a Blair Oaks football game and see that Blair Oaks is not about Blair Oaks. It is about the community, community yeah. participation. It is a, even the Catholic schools participate in the programs at Blair Oaks and that. And, and it's a community that makes the school and that's where we're at. And, and, and you can see that we go to games in other areas, particularly like two weeks ago in St. Louis, when there is no family participation. Your schools still need the community involvement.
0: Brandon, I tell you, you go to some Republican stuff. I don't know that the Republican activist folks, like some of the folks listening to your show, I'm not sure they have, like, ideas that they want to implement. They got some stuff they're ticked off about, right?
2: Public schools,
0: mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: and, and I shouldn't say not as a, a wholesale condemnation on public schools, but what's happened, I think, in public schools. And those are real concerns. Those aren't talking points when we talk about these pretty atrocious things that do happen i'm not talking funding now but the things that are happening in public so, schools i
0: watched you do this though you demand examples and i hear a lot of these anecdotal things and when i hear that when i finally push somebody they'll say well this happened in new jersey wherever i i find that i did was impressed the attorney general's office come up with a flyer on crt in springfield i've watched you press people I don't, or well, I hear it, I don't always hear people have examples, but in Columbia, it is a more liberal group, right? Should the state mandate how they run that? And why why did
3: public school districts have a district? That's their responsibility. If they have problems, fix it. What makes them think that we here at the Capitol can micromanage their district better than they can if they just get off and do something?
0: So, Jess, let me <laughs> tell you this. I, I, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of people that got elected this week. Yeah. And and frankly, a lot of them sound like they probably should have ran for school board.
4: Yeah. Right. Well, like Rudy was saying, uh, local control. Uh, Republicans used to be about local control, and that means a locally elected school board, John
0: Cawthorn beat local control when he won that race in Northeast Missouri in 2002, and the Republicans took the Senate. That's the last time you heard about local control from a Republican. Right. And the first time you heard about it from a Democrat.
4: (laughs) So I hear lots of talk of CRT. In fact, there was a huge article written on me where I was a CRT teacher, which I had no idea. That's
0: critical race (laughs) theory, right? It It is,
4: Um, and I didn't know that, but I was teaching- Do you
0: think that should be taught in schools, honestly?
4: I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're talking about. They're teaching
0: that, you know, I guess what I've heard. Uh I'm not an expert at all. I'm not an expert on any theory except the DH Uh is bad. But (laughs) it's putting people in by their race. And and to me, it's hard to teach history without showing that, yes, white people have had a little bit better run in this country. (laughs) That's just a fact. But maybe they go over the top one.
4: Well, I mean, I don't know because I've never seen anybody do it. Like you, I hear these anecdotes. And then when I say, well, let me see the lesson plan. Let me see the teacher who's teaching this. No one can produce anything. Uh, And if I'm a CRT teacher, then I'm pretty sure that you guys are going to be okay being in my class because I taught, you know, slave narratives. And that made me a CRT teacher.
2: I walk it so off. I, I will show you my cell phone examples, specifically from the Columbia Public In School Columbia. District. Yeah, we have specific. Because I've heard schools.
0: you push and get them. Yeah, you had to
2: push. So those are examples. There's no textbook that says. There's no classroom. There's no syllabus that says this is CRT 101. That doesn't happen. This there's specific examples, and I have those okay. on my phone. And we have a great interview from over a year ago. The superintendent of the Columbia Public School District, Dr. Brian Yearwood, and we pressed him, and he would not answer the question. Would not answer the question. The question was, is is it being taught? And he kept saying, I don't think it should be taught. I don't think it should be taught. So it's that wigwam that worming through. Mm -hmm. It happens. I'll show you my cell phone afterwards.
3: I've seen some that I believe would qualify. But the point is, whose duty and who has the best ability to correct it? We can't make something here that affects every district when there's only one or two districts. But I did see some out of Springfield. Area and, yes. stuff. I and I saw that. And if that's all being taught, I think I don't necessarily agree with what they're teaching. But the point of it is that's not our role up here. It is the role of the local school districts, and if they don't like it, hire teach it?
0: You found examples of things you found objectionable yes. that were qualify. Whose job is that? If the people of Columbia vote a school board that hires an administrator and those things they, the majority believe are acceptable, should Jefferson City come in and say you can't do that?
2: Should, should our top law yeah. Uh, the top law enforcement officer, the attorney general, in effect. In, but I mean, it's not breaking the law, it's
0: curriculum, right? Right.
2: But should our top law enforcement... When you have something this serious, yeah, I believe... And, and I am a big fan of... But should the hey, state overrule hey, the school board? And I am a big fan of local control, especially during COVID. I am a big fan of, of local control. But there comes a point, when you're teaching dangerous stuff, when you're te- when I have assignments from kids, I felt bad because of the, because of this, because I'm... Yeah, that's an issue.
0: We're coming to the end here. Give me just your, just the, let's talk hogs, dogs, and logs. Should a local school district have control of curriculum? Or should yes. that curriculum be controlled by Jefferson City?
4: No. It, it, it absolutely should be. We have we elect school boards. for A lot a easier to
0: beat Wayne Wilcott in the school board <laughs> race than it is to elect the new general assembly, right?
4: And I'm not exactly sure um, what sort of background uh, a legislator would have to make a decision for Maryville School District.
0: Experts on Facebook. Who should who should who should do the curriculum?
3: Well, first off, it certainly shouldn't be the, the local school board should in school districts. But if they're doing something that violates the law, that would be a place for the attorney general. to then go this precise school district. We can d- address this school district. It is not something. And for us to paint with a broad brush covering everything
0: the things in your phone should jeff city make that illegal to do in columbia schools i don't know that they
2: should make it illegal but i think when you start getting people on a state level involved it highlights this is a real thing it's not a talking point these things are real i think that's the benefit when you do
0: get the of state the involved From The minute left to one the week I'm sorry. Who won the week?
4: Well, I'm mean, going to steal yours. Actually, I heard you say this before, but, <laughs>
0: it what? And I go but it's blast. very different. It's yep. <laughs> very I different.
4: Know. Roy Blunt um, really came through um, for people, and um, I've written a lot of letters to Roy Blunt. And this week, I was able to write something very nice and kind to him. So
0: she says that I believe. Her. Most people, I don't believe. Actually, wrote a lie. I believe she did. <laughs> Who won the week? Well, if we we're
3: talking about Roy Blunt, he listed, he voted his own way, way he felt. Whether you agree or disagree with it, he voted his conscience, and he certainly wasn't. No, uh, doing it to get political favors, and he knew he was going to take heat. So a guy who's willing to speak his mind, willing to take the heat, that's what we need in
0: politics. when the week got fun for bringing his
2: mom to the uh, uh-huh. to this yes. week in Missouri politics.
0: I was I, <laughs> mine was stolen, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say my mother for coming up and get watching this edition this week in Missouri politics. Uh, you'll probably find a, a nicer, calmer better behaved group because mom is here we will see you next week for our uh, end of uh, the year show we're gonna have andrew bailey on and the man he's taking the place of eric schmidt next week on this week of missouri politics see you with the cowboy and judge show on abc 30.
3: this week in missouri politics is sponsored by the missouri automobile dealers association amron spire and sterling bank